It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Well, how important is it to have un- and underinsured motorist coverage on your umbrella policy? We're going to explain what all that means and then help you to determine if it's necessary in your situation all that and more on this episode. I want to thank auto owners for sponsoring this segment of the program. We appreciate that. If you have a question for the show, we're going to be hitting questions coming up. Uh, Feel free, call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Wisemoneyshow.com. You can leave questions right there on the web. It's there on the right. And then all over social media, that's where we get the most engagement, YouTube and Facebook, all that. Search the Wise Money Show, follow us there. Okay, so guys, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks back, I shared a story about a friend of mine who had a had just an awful accident. And because of, I'm going to say because of lack of financial planning, and then you could also say, okay, well, well get me get, get a little more specific. Um, l- lack of proper understanding of, in particular, his umbrella policy hmm. cost him one point three million dollars. I mean, so um, so here's the story, and then and then we'll break it down again. So it's a couple of years now, um, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine was walking, I believe in shopping or something like that, walking through a parking lot and uh, got hit by a car. Hmm. Seriously. And, and it's not like, oh, it, what are you doing? You know, and then slam the hood, you know, and <laughs> embarrass the person in front of their kids. No, no, no. <laughs> like got hit in, in his, right in the side and, and kind of, you know, bounced and was injured, hospitalized. And um, a couple hip surgeries later and a whole bunch of back pain and therapy for back pain, and the realization that uh, it, it hurts to stand, it hurts to sit. Um, I've had all this time away from the office. I, I need to retire. It's too painful to work. I need to retire. Um, and his attorneys were working on getting, uh, filing a claim. I mean, this person, this is not someone just money grabbing and, you know, hey, this is my lottery ticket. I can fake an injury. No, no, no. This friend of mine is serious. This is hard on his life and for his wife and everything and life altering. So they were looking for suing. They sued for $1.5 million and won. And this individual that hit him, it was his fault. It was this guy's fault. The the driver um, had that much in coverage. Okay. And they won the suit, everything. And before it was paid out, the insurance company filed bankruptcy. Uh, the 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 individual who was at fault, his insurance company filed bankruptcy, and again because this stuff took to take so long, that happened you know right after the pandemic. So it's not like oh coincidence. No no no. This was 
I think it was last May. And so now what do you do if the person who was at fault doesn't really have coverage? Well, then it lands on your own coverage. And this friend of mine had an umbrella policy. He still had $1.5 million of coverage himself, but his umbrella policy excluded un- and underinsured motorists. Uh, meaning instead of getting $1.5 million, he got a check uh, just over two hundred and fifty, and then attorney took a chunk, so he got one hundred and sixty-three thousand. Wow! Real story. Wow. Yep. Uh, you think about all the things that went wrong in that that were completely out of his control, and this one that the last issue is the only one that he had some choice over. Although even there, I guess you could maybe argue not every insurance company even lets you have this type of coverage. Yeah. Right. So. Even who you choose as your agent can have a bearing on how this story all plays out. So here's the question then. How important is this coverage? And do you need to go grab your policy right now and see if you have this coverage or not? So what is it? How important is it? Do, do you have to have it? Let's, let's get into it. Yeah, So and this is a show about financial planning. It, you might be thinking if you've just tuned in, this is a show about the finer points of insurance. <laughs> so I want you to think in financial planning. <laughs> be our first and only show. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so when you think about financial planning, think strategy. And then when you think about, well, all right, I have a strategy now. Now I need to implement my strategy. And, and the implementation of that strategy, if we call that execution, so when you have the strategy for my insurance, the strategy for my insurance says, what is my net worth? Does my insurance agent have any idea what my net worth is? And then what kind of coverage do I need? But if, you, if, you're, if you're looking at this, this is where I would say, well, have the right strategy. But I'm telling you, even the right strategy can can fail if the execution isn't correct. Right. Yep. I just I was just meeting with some folks this past week, uh, listeners to Wise Money. Um, we can't help everyone in the world, although we'd like to, but they listened and for a number of years, and they came in and and we met, and they had uh, their limits were good, and they had an umbrella policy for one of their two places. Oops. And the second place is the one that, in my humble opinion, was the most at risk. Like a lake property or something where there's... Yes. Hmm. So you say, well, wait a minute. That's the one, the, the more risky one, or the one where the damage could be more extreme is the one that's not even covered. And I'm like, well, you know, tell me about your agent. And they're like, well, that's why we're here, because we want strategy and execution all in the same place. Because if you have, and, and you know, he's an avid listener to financial shows. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, they, and you can tell, you could tell by they're looking at their financial situation because they've done an amazing job and they've tried to do everything that they were supposed to do. But what they missed is this part of the execution because you trust the professionals that you're working with. You trust, well, hey, they know what I want. I've communicated that. It's done. I've never complained about the check that I have to write. Let's go. That That's the one plan concept, right? right. You need to have an architect who's making sure that each of those experts, each of those um, professionals are executing 
on the same game plan. That's right. And that can't be your insurance agent by definition. They don't have the full perspective of your entire financial life. So even if they did come up with, yeah, the the right overall game plan for your insurance package, if you will, your protection game plan, if their uh, insurance providers that they're offering to you don't allow you to have all of the components that you need, you may be skating around and, uh, and don't have the protection ultimately that your financial life would warrant. And how tragic it is, is it someone who is making great choices in their life, they're sacrificing, they're building for a bright future and, and making all this progress, and then one bad event sends the whole thing spiraling. Yeah. It unravels the, the whole thing. And uh, it, that is why we're always talking about the, the need to have a financial plan that considers all areas of your financial life, even when you're making a decision as finite and, and into the, the weeds as how do you structure your insurance? Or, or even deeper in the weeds, how do you structure your umbrella policy? So we're, there's, there's some, this is a jargon-free zone, okay? Mm-hmm. So we're going to define, okay, what is an umbrella policy? And, uh, you know, do you really need insurance on your umbrellas? Um, especially if you have two umbrellas, um, and oh, what, what let, let un- the dad jokes rain. Yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> there you go. And what's uh, what's on an underinsured motorist anyway? And then the ultimate financial planning question is how how important and do you need to have it? So we've got that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Do you need an umbrella policy? And and more specifically, does that umbrella policy need to have un- and underinsured motorist coverage? I mean, I can't think of something geekier than that. Maybe if we were talking about the IRS or taxes, but we don't shy away from that either. That's what we're talking about right now. This is the Wise hmm. Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn. And Josh Gregory, stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Follow us online at wisemoneyshow.com and then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. And follow us there. Okay, so just awful scenario. Someone getting hit by by a driver while they're walking through a parking lot. Lots of damages. And let's just say through some just terrible circumstances, the person at fault ended up not having coverage or enough coverage. And so this person's coverage steps in, but he had an exclusion on his umbrella policy for un- and underinsured motorists. Let's level the playing field. What's an umbrella policy? Okay, go. Uh, you know, actually, it, it's funny. I had this topic come up with my kids in the in the car just the other night. And uh, you guys know How many of them me? were sleeping it, at the time? No, they, <laughs> they weren't. <clears throat> they were actually asking intelligent questions about insurance. And so I was feeling very proud as a dad nice. that they would even have this on their radar screen. But the, the reason it came up, you, you guys know I'm, I'm fairly new to being a pickup driver. And uh, when, you, when you're driving a pickup, people ask you to it's, haul stuff. Josh, right? okay, I'm, I'm going to help you. It's a pickup truck. Pickup truck. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You're, I'm a pickup truck driver. Attaboy. Is that better? Yeah. See, I'm even needing to get the language right. But That's right. You have to have certain skills if you're a pickup truck driver. And one is being able to strap stuff down well. <laughs> I, I was asked to haul some things. It was 
mattress set and we were driving down the road and apparently I, I didn't strap it down well. No way. And it started shifting around and I, I may have soiled my drawers a little bit because it <laughs> it was sudden and Thanks for sharing Justin. My my mind went to all the things that could have happened, you know? And my boys were in the back and they're saying, Well Dad, I mean, what's the big deal? Could it cause an accident? I said, well, absolutely. If it fell the wrong direction or whatever, it, it hurts somebody. And they said, well, who would be at fault for that? Mm. And it, I, I John asked. John Candy and Steve Martin, who are driving behind <laughs> yeah. with a mattress on their windshield. <laughs> yeah, right. I asked them, well, who else could be at fault? You know, I'm, I'm still raising these boys, so I'm trying to help them understand their personal responsibility, yes. right? I'm the only person that could be at fault. They they thought maybe the wind could have had something to do with it. Oh, there you go. But uh, sue the wind. I, that's exactly what I said. You can't sue the wind. Mm. And so they wanted to know what it is to have a, a lawsuit and everything. But the whole point here is when you're getting car insurance, we often think of our car insurance as, oh, well, that's going to fix my vehicle if I get into a fender bender. From a financial planning perspective, that's that's of a little bit of importance. Way more importance is the concern that you injure somebody. You cause damage to their body or their property or whatever, and now you've got a liability issue. Right? And even more concerning than that is the person that hits you. Mm. Correct. So, so if you cause an accident, it's your insurance company that's going to hopefully make their life whole. But what if you are the victim of the accident and that other driver doesn't have enough insurance to make your life whole. Yep. What a lot of people don't realize is that baked into your policy should be something called uninsured or underinsured motorists. This is where your insurance company kind of comes to the rescue and, and fills in the gaps if, they, if they're driving around with either no insurance or not enough insurance. And a lot of people don't pay close enough attention to what are these protections for you if you are the victim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because Josh and I sleep in Michigan and live in Indiana, there it, it, there's there <laughs> not it, together. It, <laughs> separate houses and separate very wives, separate beds, separate children, <laughs> okay. separate All everything. Right. Let's move on. We separate no, but we do and and so we have Michigan insurance and Michigan um is is at the top of the list of being one of the most expensive states in the nation to insure your vehicle. So when you look nationwide, the uninsured motorist percentage is about 13%. So if you passed 100 cars on your way to work today, 13 of them didn't have insurance. But if you were going to work in Michigan, so think about this. If Michigan is one of the most expensive states to buy insurance in for your car insurance, and it's because of the no-fault laws, but if that's the case, well, do you think the percentage would be greater or lesser in Michigan? Higher. By far. So it's almost double. It's 25.5%. Whose wow. fault is that? Uh, it's no fault. So if, you drove, if you're driving <laughs> and you pass four vehicles in Michigan, one of them doesn't have insurance. So it's, it's uh, the doggone Russian roulette. Yeah. And you say, well, what do I? And you say, but, but in Michigan... It doesn't matter if they have insurance or not because it's no fault. So it just matters if I have the right insurance. Okay, but if that person, regardless, if someone comes across the, the center line, hits you head on, you spend a month in the hospital, you've got broken bones, you need occupational 
and other types of therapy once you get out of the hospital. I mean, you're looking at a half million dollar bill right Easy. there. Right. And that's exactly why if you're driving around and you do have car insurance in place, but that's all you have, there's a good chance that you are underinsured because the, the damages that could be done either to you or by you could far exceed what your car insurance provides. And that's why we often recommend that folks have an additional policy that lays over the top of your car insurance. It's called an umbrella policy. It's what covers the excess, the, the unlikely but potentially huge uh, damages that are done to you or done by you. An umbrella policy, it's cheap insurance but provides potentially another million dollars worth of protection above and beyond what your car offers. Yeah, said another way, your underlying limits. So think about your car insurance policy, your home insurance policy. If those are your underlying policies, those are the more expensive ones. Mm -hmm. and, and you say, well, why are those more expensive? Because there's a higher likelihood that you'll use them. If you buy an umbrella policy for a couple hundred bucks a year, it's highly likely you'll never use that. Mm -hmm. I mean, what you really want is you want to buy an umbrella policy and add a million, or depending on your net worth, a million, couple million, add that over the top of your underlying limits, pay that your entire life and never use it. That's right. right. That's, that's the, the dream. That's the ideal scenario. But you want to have that in place in the event of, because it's, it's possible that you would use it. It's not probable. I've seen two of those pay out in my career. There's a lot of insurance professionals out there that think of an umbrella policy, though, mostly as just liability protection. It's it's helping you make the other person whole because of an accident that you caused. But the umbrella policy can also have this uninsured or underinsured motorist coverage in case you're the one who's disabled or one of your family members is killed in an accident that someone else caused. If they're driving around as one of those statistics that doesn't have insurance or maybe has very inadequate insurance, your umbrella policy, if it has the right protection built into it, can, again, help restore at least the financial loss that, that your family suffered. I have two questions. N number one, Josh, when that mattress was kind of moving around did you have your arm up there <laughs> and then second because that i've heard that does that you can really hold it down a lot the, but the second question i've is, seen it accidents happen a accidents happen and and they they're unplanned you, no idea but my question would be who's more likely to cause an accident someone who has flimsy insurance or someone who has been focused on their finances, building up uh, wealth for themselves, and has great insurance protection, I it, like it's a it's a coin flip, but it might be slightly weighted to the person who could have a track record of being more irresponsible. It's it, not a coin flip. The insurance companies have declared the answer. Yeah. So I'm just trying to be nice. So Josh. <laughs> I can tell. You are nice. I can tell you were using your arm there, your biceps. Yep. So good, <laughs> good job. All right, we've got. We, we, there's more to hit here. Do you need this coverage? We've got that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you have an umbrella policy umbrella insurance extra liability coverage of above and beyond your liability in your auto policy your home policy do you need to right now 
pull out your policy and check to see if it covers on an underinsured motorist. Yes. yes. And if it doesn't, is that a reason to switch? Yes. Yes. We're going to hit that. Coming that up. This easy. is... Uh, all right. <laughs> That's all the time we have. <laughs> this is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Hey, if you listen to podcasts, every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Go check it out. Wherever you listen, search Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, or follow us there and rate the show. All right, guys. I mean, you, you sort of answered the question. I mean, to me, I feel like it's... It's important when you're making your insurance coverage decisions to, number one, have a awareness of your entire financial life. What are you trying to cover? What risks? What risks could could it, you're making financial progress and then something happens and it derails all the financial progress? You, you reset, you know, start back at zero. No, that's what you want to cover. Again, so use your financial planning process and your CFP to help determine what coverage you're, you need. And then to me, down in the execution, I mean, your umbrella has to have on an underinsured motorist. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a company that Kuiper likes to joke like he thought this was funny. This is like a dad joke. He's like, it's not a state and it's not a farm. Where'd they come up with this? And um, <laughs> and he, he wanted Dude. to tell all of his baseball buddies because he thought that was super funny and no one laughed. Okay, I okay. tell Kuiper I think I think it's stinking funny. They but but they they came out and what it seemed like was just to keep their prices competitive. All of a sudden, they just dropped that uh, their umbrella policies no longer cover under un and underinsured. You can't even ask them, please, like pretty please. Right. Nope, can't. can't, can't have they it. won't do it. And so, if you you're just missing significantly important, very important coverage if your umbrella policy does not have, does not cover on an underinsured motorist. And you can almost tell it because if you, if you're paying for your umbrella policy and you're like, this is cheap. Yes. Oh, give me that million. This is stinking cheap. You know, mm-hmm. 120 bucks, 240, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, your umbrella policy should be three, yep. four, 500 mm-hmm. a year. And you're Which like, that's cheap, really, when you consider what kind of protection it's providing. Absolutely. In in context, yeah. that's cheap. Yeah. But if, if it's if it feels like three or four or five hundred dollars that you don't have to have, then you, you might just say, well, I don't I don't want to spend that money. But, Mike, you said it. You said you have to have your financial life in view when you're making your your insurance decisions. Most people, they want to frame the insurance decision as a price decision. Yeah. We, you know, first what, and foremost. Yeah. For, right. Can you save 15%? Can I switch and save some money? If you're saving money on the wrong coverage, you shared at the beginning of this, this uh, whole show, the $1.3 million hit, essentially, that a friend of yours felt because he didn't have this one component of his insurance in place. You know, maybe it wasn't even available through his insurance company, as as you're bringing up. Mm-hmm. Maybe it wasn't even on his radar screen because no one's ever explained it to him. I don't know. But the fact that it wasn't there, if you're you're drawing the conclusion, hey, it cost him 1.3 million dollars to not have this in place. Mm-hmm. I'm saying you couldn't possibly save enough insurance premiums for the rest of your life to make up for that hit by not having the right coverage. It is always about having the right coverage in place and then figure out how do you make it affordable. 
That's right. Yep. So if you go to a financial planner and they are process driven, they will say for sure you need an umbrella and for sure it needs to include uninsured, underinsured motorists. So think process driven versus product driven. And if I sit in a little hut and I, I sell only one company's insurance and that company's insurance does not have uninsured, underinsured on its umbrella policy, I'm going to tell you either you don't need an umbrella policy or you don't need uninsured, un, underinsured, or I, the, or the topic might not even come up. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is it is a little bit bizarre, and we've certainly spent a lot of time talking about this. But th- So this, to me, does not illustrate the, the need for, you know, understanding insurance at a, at a very granular level. It, it illustrates the need for having a process driving your decision-making processes. You're exactly right. And every once in a while, I'll feel the question from a client who has had an umbrella policy in place. And then we get to these weird years where they have youthful drivers at home. And I've, I've had people ask me before, do we still need that umbrella policy? You know, it's, it feels more expensive. We're spending so much money on car insurance because of you know, our kid's 16 years old, and guess what? It is expensive to insure a vehicle for a 16-year-old. But then having the umbrella, you know, my my point to them on why it maybe is more important than ever is because who in the household is going to have the most accidents, statistically? It's those youthful drivers that are still figuring out how to drive, right? (laughs) I I don't... I I hope that didn't come across the air. (laughs) The... <laughs> who, who who statistically is going to have the most accident? It's the the young drivers, right? Hey, listen, we can laugh, but at least of the three of us, it's Josh. Josh not has had true. Josh has had so like you just you just destroy cars. I do not. Man. That's not even remotely true. <laughs> if you were I a navy one, ship, we'd call you a destroyer. I think the cars just fall apart. They in do. My, yeah, I know. Under it's, my care, it's not accident. <clears throat> no, but no, I, but so, hang on. So so. If you have youthful drivers at home, that's the time when they could be bringing upon all kinds of liability to you. Or to, to this point, if, if we're talking about uninsured and underinsured motorists, what if they were in the accident and they were injured and they couldn't work the rest of their life? They're not driving around with disability policy in place. That's why the un and underinsured motorist is so important. That's why even though you are in good hands or you've been a neighbor with this person or whatever the other slogans are, if you if you need an umbrella policy and they don't offer un and under un and underinsured motorists, you got to make a change. Yeah. You, you do. Well, you, well, you got to get the right coverage in place. So here, a quick story. I was meeting with some clients. Their their limits were 100, 300, which is very typical. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, your limits need to be 500, 500, and you need a million-dollar umbrella over the top. And they said, why? And I said, well, let's look at your net worth, and when's the last time you you had a conversation with your agent about what your net worth is. And they said, well, our agent's a family friend and we really don't want him to have any idea what our net worth is. And I'm like, well, you need the to get the right coverage in place. So I provided the strategy and they gave us the privilege of providing the execution as well. So fast forward, she blacks out, goes over the center line and hits someone who goes to the hospital for a month, oh, spends wow. a month in the hospital. Think of that expense. And then dies, oh. and and all, 
as soon, almost as soon as that person died, there were attorneys involved, and the attorney for the that represented the insurance company that was insuring our clients said, "Hey, listen, this is the coverage, and and this is what will be coming to you." And their attorney went away almost immediately. Really? So, so we saw it. They they paid out one point five million. Those are dark days when you don't right. know what's going on. It's it 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 was incredibly stressful, and I think well the. To me, even more incredibly stressful because you think, well, what's going on? Well, the person who blacked out and hit someone um, will never drive again. Uh, the insurance company that pays out the $1.5 million is going to drop you. You won't be continue to be insured by them. Um, yeah. And so there are a lot of difficult things that happen. Yeah, yeah that's a, it's a tragic story. And, of course, you would have never said that would happen because that doesn't happen to you. These, so I'll go back to what Kevin said. These things are not probable, but they're possible. And so it's worth it to get the coverage in place to protect your financial situation. All right, we've got questions from fans of the show. That and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by... The attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Make sure you subscribe to the show and follow us on YouTube. Every episode is right there, along with Next Wise Step videos that air all throughout the week. So go to YouTube, search Wise Money Show, subscribe, and like the content if you like the content. Oh, we're into questions from fans of the show. we got a great one uh, posted on Facebook from Garrett. And, uh, and, and here's what he asked. This is, oh, so good. Why would I ever choose to invest in a traditional 401k? And not a Roth 401k. Hmm. hmm. That's interesting. Uh, so, you know, obviously, Garrett, you've you've been someone who's studied up on the Roth IRA. And, man, every, every time I pause and think about how good the, the Roth 401k or a Roth IRA is, it does. You, you, you say, man, can it get much better than this? Is it almost too good to be true? And yet it is true. The fact that you can set aside money into an investment account and let it grow for years, maybe decades, and never have it get taxed again. Yeah, why would you not sign up for that is, is the question. But at, at the end of the day, this is really a tax planning question. It's It's looking not only today at what taxes you may be exposed to, but what taxes might you be exposed to in the future? And saying, um, which tool allows me to minimize the amount of taxes I'm going to spend over my lifetime? And there have been enough moving parts within the tax code in the past two or three years. New, new tax savings coming, some going away, some being enhanced. You may be falling into an income bracket or an income range where you're so close to getting some of the new goodies that are out there in the tax code, but not quite there. And a Roth 401k wouldn't help put you there. Whereas maybe a traditional 401k would. And I'm talking about, you know, bringing your overall income down that lands on your income tax bracket, or sorry, your tax return 
and maybe opening up some of these new tax savings. So you might just look and see uh, maybe that traditional 401k, it would be better to use that tool, open up some new tax savings, and pay the taxes in the future, hopefully at a much lower effective rate. Because Garrett posted this on Facebook, I've got a little intel to know that it appears to be on the younger side of the age spectrum. Okay. And so for a younger individual who may be in the 12% tax bracket or in a lower tax bracket, um, and, and um, you know, not impact, not being phased out from other sorts of potential mm-hmm. tax benefits, you're absolutely right. Why would you ever do yeah. a traditional 401k if that's your circumstance? Do the Roth if no. you're if you're young. No, I'll tell you why. Okay, here's why, Garrett. That and that is a great question, but it's not a tax question. It's a financial planning question. Correct. Because if I am at a point where I have childcare and my childcare credit gets phased out at 125, and I need to use pre-tax savings to reduce my income to qualify for a certain benefit, it, that benefit might outweigh. Right. If I'm at 170000 and I want to get down to 150. Uh, 150 to get the child, is it child, child credit? Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Mike, what's it called? Child tax credit. Yeah, that's what I said. So <laughs> if I would, if I needed to get, if I needed to use the the pre-tax 401k savings as a lever to ratchet my income to a certain point to qualify for certain gimmies, I mean, for every for every gimme, there's a gotcha. So you just have to be careful. But like they say in country music, where there's a Willie, there's a Waylon. So I would say watch what you're doing and be very careful about uh, about this because the the obvious answer is the Roth 401k is like the Roth IRA it's a it's the 24 karat gold Cadillac or uh, we got to update that like it's like the Bitcoin Cadillac and so you <laughs> definitely would want to to take advantage of that if it made sense but this is where I'm saying what if what if I couldn't fully fund a Roth IRA would I be smarter to do it pre-tax and free up some cash flow to be able to fully fund it? Am I better off having 10 grand after tax or 15 grand pre-tax in my 401k this year? Yeah, I I think the point here is, um, I hope you'll never hear us say on this show with blanket statements, one is always better than the other because it really does, it's dependent upon what your individual circumstances are and what needs to be accomplished in your individual financial plan. And uh, you know the, the backstory that you're sharing, Mike, about Garrett being younger. Younger tips the scales towards Roth, for right. sure. Um, if you're in a lower tax bracket, that tips the scales towards the Roth, for sure. But there are plenty of, of scenarios out there where, no, actually, the, the scales would tip the other direction, if we change the fact pattern. Yeah. And and that's what a certified financial planner does is they take your fact pattern, your hopes for the future and helps you decide which one is right for you this year. And keep in mind just because it was the right decision this year, maybe next year it's a different plan because fact patterns have a funny way of changing. I uh, you know, I get uh within the roles that I play at KFG, I I have to 
come up with about eh, somewhere between 18 and 21 bits of content uh, a week. And I actually love it. It's thrilling. And this was inspiring me. I mean, what are the most quintessential financial planning questions? Like, that, like you can look at it and say, mm, that's an investment question. No, it's financial planning. You can't answer this question without financial planning. This is one of them. Probably be the first one. You know what's number two? Should I invest more or pay down my mortgage? Mm-hmm. I mean, these are these are like seem like innocent questions on the surface. They are they cannot be answered well without a comprehensive financial plan. Mm-hmm. They they truly can't because Josh, you said okay, yeah, tip the scales based on some of the things that we know. Yep, so young. Yep, advantage Roth. Um, uh, low tax bracket advantage Roth, but change the fact pattern and that could change the answer. No, just add more to that fact pattern. Mm-hmm. Just add a little bit more. Are you on um, healthcare.gov? Mm-hmm. Are you getting retirement savers credit? Uh, you know, there's all. Or you're in the college years and you need to try to get your income down to open up some more financial aid available. So, and and the crazy thing is, this decision of pre tax or Roth. You, you got to make it every single year. And some people just put on autopilot. Uh, nothing's changed. Well, this year, something changed. A whole bunch of stuff. Child tax credit now, you get bonuses. I mean, it's, it's bigger if your income's lower. It used to just be it's the same. Same, same, same until you phase out. Now, if your income's lower, you get more of it. Mm-hmm. Right? And so everything, it's, it's just different. Garrett, love the question. Yeah. I love it. So much so, it, it's one of these hallmark financial planning examples that yeah you you need you need financial planning to answer that one for sure all right hey we're going to jump down to don here don is 56 and a half see he's he's counting his half birthdays (laughs) happy half birthday don appreciate that don want to stop working at 59 and a half i should have about 180 grand in a roth ira along with 1.2 million in investments um, another 1.2 million in investments, and my house is valued at 450. I owe around 125 grand on it. Bam! I will take Social Security at 62, but because of family history and related health issues, my life expectancy is 74. Hmm. If I can, I would try to work part time and try to have limited insurance for myself if possible. What would po- the possible options be? I, I think what he's saying. Uh, could be, hey, what are the options for health insurance? Mm-hmm. Could also be, is that can that plan work? And and it goes back to the quintessential question that you just asked. You know, do I do I do a Roth IRA or do I do a traditional IRA or Roth four hundred one k traditional four hundred one k? And should I invest more in my investment portfolio or should I pay off my mortgage? So that's a great question. Certainly if my mortgage is paid off and I've got I've got another uh, I've got different buckets of money to pull out of and I can manipulate my income, that will manipulate what you have to pay for your health insurance. That's the that's the game as it's rigged right now. Mm-hmm. So your income is going to drive what you pay for your health insurance. And so Don, you may want to figure out, okay, how do I how do I manage my income to pay as little as I can for health insurance? You you have a, a four hundred fifty thousand dollar house and you owe one hundred and twenty five on it. Hey Don, it might make sense to refinance that thing, and now you pay four hundred bucks a month instead of 
1200 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. If I pay 400 bucks a month, I need to take 600 out of my uh, my IRA retirement plan. If I pay 1200, I need to take 1800 out. So this is where you say all of a sudden, hey, I just reduced dramatically what I'm going to the the, the dependency upon taxable dollars needing to flow in into my household. Yeah, I'm I'm just taking mental note here of all the different areas of the financial plan that this question touches. Because to your point, Kevin, this is a cash flow question that has to get answered. For sure. Uh, you know, how how much do you need to live off of? That's your your lifestyle and the amount of income that's coming in. Th- those are there's choices there that you get to make. It's going to have an impact on your uh, your protection plan. How do you structure your health insurance and what's it going to cost you each year to do that, especially until you reach age 65 and can go on Medicare? There's tax ramifications, how you structure the investments and be able to access it there. And then you have a unique um, you know, part of your retirement outlook because you've said, hey, there are health concerns that are very real for you. And that you know maybe changes some of the, the social security decisions that you would make compared to what uh, maybe would make sense for other folks, um, you know, and, and we could easily work estate planning in there. So this one question has to be answered from all six different angles yeah. in order to have the very best decision made. And so what are the, the options? To me, th- that is answered best by getting a comprehensive financial plan in place to know exactly, you know, which, which of all these choices is going to make the se- make the most sense from all these right perspectives. Because the, it's the thing that I love about financial planning, and I've seen this a lot in the last few weeks, is that approaching it from a process standpoint puts you in the driver's seat to prioritize and say, this is what's most important to me. Yeah. And so I've talked to the folks, and Don, maybe you've been working at this place since you were 18 or since you were 22. You may be able to approach them and say, hey, listen, when I retire after working here for 40 years, is there any chance that the company will keep me on the health insurance? Yep. I've seen that exception made. So you might say, hey, the, the health insurance tail is going to wag the dog. So there are all different types of approaches you could have. Yeah, great question, Don. I, I certainly work with your certified financial planner. I, I mean, that's, that's a interesting scenario in health insurance, getting that coverage with health issues is of major importance. So thanks for the question. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.